All right, well, this continues in January, our series on the whole enchilada, and in a single word, when the entirety of Scripture and the entirety of walking with Jesus, what is it in a single word? It is love. Love, according to the Scriptures, is the whole enchilada. It is, maybe you can say this with me, it is the greatest, above all, beyond all, most excellent way. I keep repeating that because, number one, those aren't my ideas. Those are straight, the expressions from Scripture, and it is absolutely essential that regardless of what comes our way, what we just declared in song is the reality that the greatest above all, beyond all, most excellent way is love. And then we added last week, it is the most excellent way evidence that you are a child of God. Love is the defining mark of a child of God. And it's the defining mark because we established last week that the premise of loving like God is that he is love and he's in me. Let's not move away from this. This is absolutely core. Uh, I spent long time in my life in knowing that God was love, but never connecting that he who is love is in me. And therefore, the most defining mark in my life ought to be love. The love of God in me being expressed through me. And so when Paul gives this testimony in Galatians 2, verse 20, I am been crucified with Christ, understand He is speaking personally, but as well for all of us who have trusted in Jesus to be our Savior. That we can all who are born again, who have trusted in Jesus, we can all say, I have been crucified with Christ. It's an absolute necessity because the only way our sin and the guilt of our sin can be taken care of is by a sinless one paying the penalty. So unless I am crucified with Christ, my sin cannot be taken out of the way. I cannot be forgiven. By trusting in him, the scripture says, I made one with him, one with him in death. I am crucified with Christ, Paul says, for himself and for us who are born again. And it's no longer I who live. Why? (laughs) Because I've been crucified with him. Here's the new reality. But Christ lives in me. Christ lives in the children of God. In fact... He lives in the children of God because it says God chose to, because we are sons, pour his spirit into our hearts. So there's this core fundamental theme that I hope we're capturing as we talk about love. When we talk about this morning, love with this body. I wrote it that way very intentionally because I want us to understand that when we love with this body, this body is... His body. With Christ dwelling in me, with Jesus wrapped in my humanity, I have become, in a very real sense, the body of Christ. Singular. Now, 
how ought to that act with the body of Christ, plural, that is, the corporate body of Christ? In this way, as the body of Christ, singular, I am to be known by my love for the body of Christ, plural. See, if this body is his body, singular, and this body is his body, plural, then I ought to be known because he is love and he is in me by how I love you. Jesus, very crystal clear with his disciples just before his crucifixion, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. How are they going to know? If you have love. If you have love. And then very specifically, if you have love for one another. Now, for some of us, that's a very familiar territory. But there's a difference between something being familiar and something being true. And I'm, I am profoundly challenged as we go this, through this series to go, what am I known for? Some of us are known for what we do. Some of us are known for what we have. Some of us are known for what we have accomplished. Uh, some of us are known for gifts that we have. But that which ought to be what we are known for greatest is that man loves the people of God. That woman loves the people of God. That man understands that this body is his body and that this body is his body. And therefore, the love for one another is profoundly evident. See, it's, it's a lot more than we just, we come to church and we go, oh, you'll go to the same church? Oh, yeah, we go to the same church. Ah, I never see you. I go to a different hour. It's that, that we would, by the way we treat one another, be known as disciples of Jesus, this body, his body. That's the premise of love. This morning, we're going to look at a specific passage that then says, with this premise, that he is love and he is in me, what's the practice of it toward one another? So if you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. We briefly looked at this the beginning of January when we introduced the whole enchilada series. I'm going to look, take us to a much closer look this morning in 1 Peter 4, the three practices that the scripture defines on our love for one another. So chapter 4, 1 Peter, start in verse 8. Above all, that's where we get that love is the greatest, above all, beyond all, most excellent way. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. For who? One another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to who? <laughs> one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving. Who? 
one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in this passage, he goes out of his way each time that he expresses a practice of love to define that the primary, not the sole target, but the primary target of our love ought to be one another. And for that to take place, an action must continually take place. He started with it in verse 8. Keep fervent in your love. Keep fervent. When you hear keep fervent, what do you think? Like keep pumped up? Keep excited? Keep fervent? Keep like enthusiastic? Actually, doesn't have anything to do with that. Can you touch your toes? I can't. I couldn't, I've always been like super, super tight, not just with my money. Uh, it's just super, super tight. Uh, and so it, I, could, I could, what do I need to do to be able to touch my toes? Yeah, yeah, bend my knees, right. <laughs> I've got to stretch. And that's what fervent means. It's to stretch. Here's a picture for you. You ever work on a ladder? Uh, you work on a ladder and then there, there's about this space that you can work comfortably on a ladder and then you get tired of moving the ladder. And so what do you do? You start, ah, stretch out there. And if you stretch so far that you went over, I have, because it's like, I don't know, I'm gonna stretch because watch, I can do this much without stretching. I can cover that much of a stretch. He's simply saying this. When it comes to loving one another, there's this much love for one another. But that's not love like God loves. How's God love? Listen, love of God stretches beyond that which is comfortable, that which is easy, that which is painless. The love of God stretches. So when when he says, keep fervent in your love, he's saying, keep stretching. Love stretches beyond what is comfortable. And we'll see this very clearly in a moment in, in all three ways. It stretches beyond what is comfortable. And here's the kicker, continually. In other words, I don't go, oh, I'm just going, I, I need to stretch. So I'm going to take a short-term mission trip and then come back and uh, live right here again. I'm going to... Uh, this week, I'll stretch, and now I'm come back here. Or in this relationship, I'll stretch, but the rest of my relationships, I'm going to live right here. For us to love like God is to keep fervent, to keep stretching beyond that which is comfortable, easy, and painless. In three ways, we stretch. First, we stretch and how love covers, this is verse 8, love covers and forgives. Keep fervent in your love for one another, for love covers what? <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> love covers a lot. And I take the a lot from because it says in verse 8, a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, uh, 
I've put here, love covers and forgives. First Peter 4 doesn't speak to forgiving. That's in other passages, it speaks to covering. What's the difference? Well, think of it this way. If there is sin and I cover it, what's true about it? It's still there. You just can't see it. It's not exposed. But if sin is forgiven, what takes place? It's taken out of the way, right? That's what happens when sin is forgiven. It's remembered no more. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. It's taken out of the way, having been nailed to the cross. So big difference between covering and forgiving. And to be honest, I've too often just fudged on 1 Peter 4 and gone, well, covers is forgive. No, it's not. Covering is dramatically different than forgiving, but it has a very loving commitment to it. But I didn't see it until this study. So let me connect two passages for you. Keep your finger in 1 Peter 4 and turn to one of the other passages, Colossians 3, that we have looked at in this whole enchilada series as well. We're only going to look at Colossians 3, 12, but 13 and 14 give us the whole picture of where love is beyond all these things. But just look at verse 12, remembering love covers. Colossians 3, verse 12 says this. So those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Any idea why he picked these five? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He just picked five random things? Or what do they represent? Yeah, you go, no, they're the fruit of the Spirit. And they're the fruit of the Spirit. Don't miss this. They are the fruit of the Spirit because they are who God is is. Is God compassionate? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Is God kind? Yes. Is he, did Jesus say, um, humble? Yes. Hmm. And gentle? Yes. And patient? Oh, yeah. yeah, see, yeah, we really feel that one. <laughs> God is those things. So don't misunderstand. Therefore, because God is those things and he dwells where? In us. If you use the analogy, he has given us a spiritual closet full of all that he is. What is our responsibility in the text here? What's it say? Two words. Put on. You got stuff in your closet you haven't put on in a long time? Well, and some of you may be like, for next, oh, I clean my closet every three weeks. I got stuff in my closet I haven't put on in three years, but, you know, I'm not taking it because I might need it sometime. <laughs> the point of it being in the closet is that you would put it on. Just because it's on in the closet doesn't mean it's on. Just because you have all the resources of who God is in you doesn't mean that it is on you. Did you catch the distinction? He is in you. That doesn't mean it is on you. You ever left the house having not put on your patience pants? Huh? Or your kindness? All of us have. 
So don't think about this too carefully or too long. But imagine this. You got up this morning. And you came to church. And you didn't put anything on. I hope that never happens. I mean, awkward. You come to church having not put anything on. What do you want someone to do for you? You want somebody. Oh, here, let me help you. Right? You want somebody to, to, to not pull out their phone and go, oh, my word. <laughs> hey, that's what happens all the time. Oh, my husband, he. And then we broadcast how he didn't put on his patience pants or his gentleness. We don't, we don't cover. <laughs> we expose. Well, they did it. No lie. No, I agree. They did. But what does love do? Love Love covers a lot. And you know, I, I never connected it before. Why is covering necessary? Well, we cover because we often fail to put on. If everybody put on all that was in their spiritual closet every day, we wouldn't need covering. But the bottom line in marriage and in parenting and friendships and a church and small group, we often engage having failed to put on. And in those moments, love covers a lot. See, if I show up, please don't come at me with this. You got anything bigger? <laughs> yeah. Folks, but, but love does what? Love stretches. Love goes beyond. You and I are comfortable with going, okay, I, I cover that. It's a stretch to say, uh, I'll cover that. See, did the sin go away? Yeah, I appreciate that answer. Not yet. Why, why does love cover? Because it's kind, it's gracious. And who in here still needs to grow in Christ-likeness? Yes, I do. And when I need to grow in Christ-likeness, Grace gives me time, gives me opportunity to repent, and repentance brings forgiveness. And once forgiveness takes place, there's no longer anything to cover because it's taken out of the way. Now, I hope you see a difference in the beauty of how love covers, how love is gracious. But did you notice love covers what? A multitude, not every sin all the time. 
Why not? Because sometimes it's appropriate to expose. We have two, two principles in why you would expose. First of all, give you an example. Yesterday, I am trying to do some trim work in our kitchen. And every once in a while, I make a wrong cut or my board breaks where I didn't turn it. And I, ah, oh, I can't believe it. Stupid. Jackie doesn't get on her phone. Elders, Doug is very angry in the garage. She goes, I, I know what it's like. I spilled a can of paint in the carpet one time. You know, I, I know what that's like. Gracious. But, and I don't say this lightly, but if, if I'm in the garage abusing somebody, does she cover that? No, what's love do in that moment? Love calls the police. You see the difference? There's a time where love covers, and there's a time where love exposes. Number one, it's the impact of the sin. And then the second time when we would go, uh, love has covered, but now love is going to expose, is Matthew 18 says, if someone sins against you, go, them, go to them privately. Why? Why would you go privately? You would go to them graciously, not exposing them privately. With the goal, the scripture says, that if they listen, you've won your brother. Meaning, you're right. I was rude. I was impatient. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Out of the way. It's taken out of the way. But the scripture says... If you go and you speak to them privately and they continue and they refuse to repent, don't yank off the cover. What's it say? <laughs> go with two or three. There's limited, very strategic, intentional, loving, little bit of exposure. Not to embarrass, but to confirm the facts in order that the scripture says, you would win your brother. And what's winning your brother mean? It means they go, I confess, I haven't been putting on Christ. Please forgive me. And then it's taken out of the way. Covering's no longer needed. So love covers a multitude of sin. Not all sin, all the time. There is some sin that is impactful and so destructive that what? It needs to be exposed immediately. And then there is other time where there is continual, unrepentant pattern of refusal to repent, continual unrepentant sin, which leads to exposure, not to embarrass, but to bring to repentance so that forgiveness can take place and taken out of the way. Those are the exceptions, folks. Don't get lost in the exceptions. See the beauty of what it means to be gracious to one another. To not be running around picking at every little fault. 
be gracious. Every one of us needs to grow in Christ. And covering gives us time and opportunity and grace to grow. Love covers. Next, be hospitable to one another. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. So love not only covers and forgives a lot, it welcomes. And specifically, hospitality in the scripture is the welcome, the love of strangers. That's the stretch. That's why we need to love fervently. In other words, if I welcome those who already welcome me, that's right here in very easy reach on the ladder. (laughs) What's the stretch? Uh, I don't think we've ever met. I am done. Oh, we met three weeks ago. Ooh, sorry, I'm an idiot. That happens to me a lot. You, you welcome. You see, this is, this is quite frankly why the church, not Disney, ought to be the most welcoming place on the planet. Because love stretches to welcome strangers. Remember when Jesus, we looked at this last week. Uh, If you love those who love you, what credit's that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Uh, Could you apply that to hospitality, to welcome? Yeah, Jesus could have easily, on a very specific way, really said the exact same thing by saying, if you welcome those who welcome you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners welcome those who welcome them. You need God to do that. Everybody does that. It's, it's love, like the love of God, that stretches beyond that which is comfortable and welcomes strangers. Instead of just staying always in the same little pack, the always same little group, that you meet with, talk with, welcome every week. But to see people who are on the same row or in front of you or out in the courtyard, to see them and go, I don't know them. But they haven't talked to me ever. You know, a bunch of people going around, well, they haven't talked to me, well, they haven't talked to me, they haven't talked to me, they haven't talked to me. Love goes first. Isn't that what we learned last week? Love goes first. God loved, first loved us. Love goes first. So uh, go first. Just say, hey, I'm sorry. I don't think we've ever met. If we had, I, I've forgotten. I am. And introduce yourself. Welcome. <laughs> Specifically how? What's the text say in verse 9? Without Hey, I wish he'd get off this. Why does he always talk about this? I'm Doug. I'm supposed to welcome you. Now, you probably wouldn't say that. You know, we do it graciously. It's been funny. I, I wanted to... I just ran right by it, and I wanted to celebrate how many of you are, are really seeking to love one another by your arriving, the adding the 15 minutes and getting here on time, participating. The flip side has been, I see people, and they're like, Ugh. 
we're late, we're late, we're sorry. And there's like, oh, we got to pile. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I fully appreciate, fully appreciate the fact that the ox gets in the ditch. I, I fully appreciate there's all this intention to say, I want to get there. Something came up. That's great. Uh, totally. It's the intent. I intend to, to be there so that I can lovingly participate. I, I, I intend to be there so that I can welcome strangers because if I'm not there to welcome them, who will? I, I don't do it with, not, not with, oh, I'm supposed to do this. No, I do this joyfully. Why? I hope you're tracking because God loves that way. So he's done for me and he lives in me. This body is his body and this body is his body. We ought to genuinely have a goal of no more strangers. If you were here 15 years ago, so that this was our series. No more strangers, no more strangers. This is what we would want, that there would be a no more strangers, no more strangers. And instead of waiting for somebody to do that for you, love goes first, without complaint, joyfully engage with one another. Third, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, let's notice, as each one has received. In other words, that's not a if, it's a has. If you have been born again, you've been united with Christ in his death, and he lives in you, the scripture tells us that if the spirit of God lives in you, he actually has given each of you at least one uniquely God-given gift for the building up of the body of Christ, for, for you to be able to serve who? What's the text say? One another. He goes on to say, whoever speaks, if that's the gift that's God given you, then is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. It ought to be genuinely true that, that when you come and you hear the scripture taught, that you would go, man, it's almost like God is speaking to me. Excellent. Instrument, but God's voice. Whoever serves, if your service is something that doesn't involve words, speaking, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength. You see, I'm not living here. The strength with which he supernaturally supplies. So if God is love and God lives in me, and I'm to be known by this body is his body and this body is his body, so I'm to be known by how I love you. I love you by covering and welcoming and in this serving. I love by serving you. And I love by speaking 
to you. However God has uniquely gifted you, gifted me, that's how we love. But there's, there's two words here, like it's welcoming strangers, it's serving and speaking responsibly. Now get ready. You might need to jump here because you might get your toes stepped on here. Why do I say responsibly? What's verse 10 say? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, you have been giving something by God. It does not belong to you. It belongs to him, but he gave it to you for you to use for the body. And so if, you ready to jump? <laughs> if you are part of this body and not serving the body of Christ, It's irresponsible. Of the grace of God. Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, the many faceted. I love the fact that the grace of God is uniquely expressed in you and 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 you. It's uniquely expressed in you. And when God uniquely expressed his grace to you, and then you don't turn around and serve according to that uniquely expressed grace, then his grace doesn't get fully unfolded to us. And I know many of you would say, I cannot stand irresponsibility. But we've gotten comfortable with being irresponsible. with the grace of God. So if your toes are like on fire right now, I hope you'll go on. Uh, it's not just Doug's opinion. That's the very utterances of God himself. I need to respond. I, I, need, to, I need to call up Carol Ragland and go, Carol, I've been irresponsible. Help me. Help me to learn to be responsible. Where, where, can I, where can I jump in? It's where it all starts. It's where it starts. Watch where it goes. It's not just responsibly. It's supernaturally. This is the privilege. The being supernaturally used by God is the privilege of those who responsibly serve according to the grace of God revealed to them uniquely. Speak, as it were, the utterances of God. Serve with the strength that he supernaturally supplies. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I'd have the strength. I thought I'd be too afraid. And you stretch beyond what you're comfortable with because you believe that God is in me. And because he's in me, he will give me all that I need to do all that he said. And so I stretch in how I serve. I stretch in how I speak. 
not just because it's responsible, but because God intends to work supernaturally through his people. I, I love the fact that Matt Collins has been gifted by God to write music. Those two last songs, those recent songs, the Be Glorified, and, and because of its grace, so rich. God's uses it. And what a shame. What a shame for us if he didn't put the time and energy and effort into saying, uh, songs just don't come out of the blue. That's work. We're a better body because he exercises his gifts. And that's just not true for Matt. That's just one that I'm showing to you this morning because of we did all original songs this morning. Simply that you would understand the body's better off when you, because you're a unique expression of God's grace. We're, we're better off when you serve and you speak however God has gifted you so that in all things God may be glorified. Huh so that he would be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. See, the goal, love stretches in covering, love stretches in welcoming, love stretches in serving in a matter that glorifies him. See, it glorifies God, but don't misunderstand why it glorifies God. It glorifies God because It is him working. This body is, and it's hard to talk and write at the same time, his body. Yeah, tracking, thanks. This body is his body. And so when I cover and forgive and welcome and serve using this body, it's his body. So it glorifies him because it's him working through our body, individually, corporately. See, when, when he wrote the song, Be Glorified, it's, some, it's not mystical. It's very practical. God is glorified. When you stretch to cover, and when you stretch to welcome, when you stretch to serve. Because it's him working through you. You see, we so often miss the simplicity. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Whose fruit is it? It's the Spirit's fruit. How long, for how many of us, have we been trying to produce a love that looks like God's. And we go, oh, I can't. You're right. You can't. You don't need to. He lives in you. Let his love, the Spirit's love, be demonstrated through you as you stretch in your covering, in your welcoming, in your serving. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears Much fruit, much love. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Why can't you bear fruit apart from Jesus? (laughs) Because it's his love. 
Did you you catch that? So simple, but you can't bear fruit that's his apart from him. (laughs) But my father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So are you bearing much fruit? I want to invite you to examine yourself. Are you bearing much fruit? In other words, Are you quick to cover as opposed to expose and broadcast? Are you quick to cover? Do you offer warm welcome to strangers? You ever get outside of your circle on a weekly basis going, eh, eh, welcome? And are you serving supernaturally beyond your strength, with his strength, beyond your words, his words? We've done it each week so far, and we continue this morning. We're going to remember the greatest expression of God's love for us in the remembering of the death of Jesus on our behalf as the guys will come and pass the elements, the bread and the cup that remind us of the body of Jesus broken for us, the blood of Jesus shed for us. But remember, the Scripture says we do it in remembrance of him, and while we do it, we are to examine ourselves. So would you please... Don't let your thoughts go elsewhere. Simply focus and examine. Am I practicing God's love? In covering, in welcoming, and in serving. Thanks. As the men are passing it, please take time to examine. And then I'll lead us together taking it together. Most excellent. 
we hold these elements in our hands, we are remembering that God stretched out himself. That Jesus stretched out his arm that we might be forgiven through his death on the cross. That he has stretched out himself to welcome you not only as a stranger but an enemy to become a child. That the love of God by his spirit is serving us, reminding us, convicting us. It's a gift of his service to us. We are remembering that we have been loved perfectly so that we could love profoundly in remembrance of his perfect love. Let's take together. Father, thank you that you are compassionate and kind and you are patient with us. As we examine ourselves this morning, Lord, we see how much we need to grow into your likeness. We rejoice that you have forgiven us. You have made us clean. You've washed us and made us new. Poured your spirit into our hearts. May we walk in the spirit that the fruit of the spirit would be made manifest in our life in Jesus name let's stand together
one of the most personal and really meaningful ways we can love one another is to pray for one another. That song that Matt wrote, we come broken. And I know what it means to come here broken. And it would be our incredible privilege to pray with you that you would not live and seek to endure that brokenness alone. So just remember, uh, straight out the back over here at the south, men and women available to pray. And uh, we also have an opportunity to be able to welcome guests this morning. It would be our privilege to welcome you if we haven't had a chance to meet you. There's queso in the courtyard as well. So have some queso and welcome a stranger. God bless.